All right. We have here Colleen Greco. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. Same here. Appreciate the the good vibes, the good energy on a Friday. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's going on? Tell us your story, where you're at, where you've been. I want to hear the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a natural segue from, you know, 25 years in IT marketing to being a joyologist. I mean, I'm sure you can see how that works, right? So a little bit of sarcasm there. So about five years ago, our family experienced a trauma. And typically when things like that happen, you know, it kind of brings you to your knees. And I just felt like I had almost like an awakening. Like if I don't take care of myself, can't repair the trauma that my family has experienced And of course that didn't happen overnight. I actually ate and drank my way up 52 pounds first, (laughs) but eventually realized that this was not the way to cope and deal with, you know, trauma and tragedy. So ended up hiring a nutrition coach. And as I was nearing, you know, fast forward 35 or so pounds, I was nearing my goal weight. I said to him, don't you want to understand what brought me to that point of, you know, I won't even say the number because it was a number I hadn't seen since pregnancies. <laughs> it was an, it's probably a number you guys see more than somebody like me would see. <laughs> so, <laughs> that should give context. But I said, don't you want to know what brought me to that number so that you can help me develop strategies to never get there again? And he said, no, I'm not your therapist. And I thought, no, wait a second. Like there is a big difference between a licensed mental health counselor and somebody that's just giving me support and help me, helping me to develop strategies. And so I said, I think I could do this better. In fact, I know I can. So I set out to get all my certifications, became a nutrition coach. And for over four years now, I've been do, doing nutrition coaching, also have kept the 52 pounds off. But the way I've done that is through the, the SNAP method, which is the, I know we'll get into discussing that more, but it's all about redirecting your response to triggers so that you deal with them in a productive, constructive way, rather than running to food and alcohol to what you think is solving the problem or soothing the problem. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great point. So let's, let's go granular here. Cause I know you had said joyologist and I, I'm, I'm sure people are wondering, Hey, wh- what does that even mean? What is joyology? So where, where did you coin that term and tell us a little bit more about what that is? That's a great point. So as I was, you know, kind of formalizing my business, I felt like I'm more than a nutrition coach. I have my personal training certification too. I love to work out. That's a component of this health and well-being thing. But am I a health and well-being coach? Am I a guide? Am I what am I? And everything that I do is firmly rooted in joy. Everything. In fact, my social media feed you might think I live in a bubble because I, I do control it. I make sure that the messages I receive are things that bring me joy. I ended friendships that were toxic, right? So everything I did is intentional, is and was intentional to bring me joy. And I felt like that's really the, the bottom line of most people's journey is they just want to be happier. They just want to experience joy in whatever way that means to them. And so... I'm on a walk one day with one of my friends and I said, I just keep coming back to this term joyologist. Like I, I don't know where it came from. It was something I made up. And she's like, I love that. A, because nobody's ever heard of it before. So that kind of automatically is a curiosity point. But B, it's really what you're all about. And it's how I was named. My parents 
So Colleen means girl, but Joyce, my middle name, means happy. And he, my father always used to say, I named you right, right? Because I was always like a happy kid and I was always just trying to make other people feel better. And so I started to realize like, I've been kind of this joyologist in the making since I was a kid. So what, so you started in the IT corporate space, right? That's where you started for a long period of time. You had a long stint there and then you pivoted into, yeah. So you, you're in this, you're in this corporate world, some trauma, some tragedy takes place and you make a lot of life changes. And now you've created a business out of, out of, out of your new venture. So talk about that transition, what that, what that time was like for you. I imagine it was probably around four to five years ago. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, I just kind of tried to do it as like a side hustle, right? Because I have been doing IT marketing for so long, I guess that I just thought that's what I was supposed to do. But when I started to reflect on why am I doing this? Like, what is, what is ultimately my purpose in life? I don't think it's IT marketing, although there is a component of that. My, my job has always been like focused on relationships and relationship building and and taking care of people. I've always been kind of an empath and I guess service focused, but this wasn't in, in my mind, this isn't my path, right? I, it, it was time to kind of look at what really matters in life. And to me, I get significant, you know, personal satisfaction, but I, I, it also comes really naturally to me to help people find joy in themselves and that was really evident even in the first few clients I coached when they were like, and, and I don't know if you guys have kids, but you know, when, you, when your child first walks, it like completely blows your mind and you kind of see their brain almost developing as they're taking those first few steps and you can see how they're figuring things out. It's the same with coaching and it's, it's like they become a kid again and they're learning who they are sometimes for the first time and they're, they're learning self-love. You know, I always say self-love is the foundation of this entire journey. If you don't have self-love, that's where we need to start. And the rest of the things will come from there. And I just feel like I wasn't getting, like, I could go, I could go home at the end of the day and certainly pay my bills doing IT marketing, but I didn't have that like personal satisfactions, you know, that feeling that I was going to make the world a little bit better than how I found it. But I, and Oh, go ahead, Tony. No, you go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, I know that there's a lot of people listening to our podcast right now that might be in that same position, right? They they know they're doing some good work. They're paying the bills, but they might not be fully fulfilled in what they have going on. And they're, they may have some passions. They may have some some things that they're very good at that they'd like to translate into a business of some sort. And I don't know. I don't know if you're able to share any thoughts around just kind of taking that leap and what that leap looked like for you and you know, your advice yeah. for some of the folks that are kind of still stuck into that nine to five world that are thinking about yeah. making a transition over to being you know, self-employed. I wish it was a light switch, but it wasn't because I have responsibilities. I have kids going to college. I have these bills to pay. But in, in, in the initial days, I just started coaching, like I said, on the side, you know, I take four to five clients at a time, but I was also new and that was enough for me. That was, that was good to kind of test the waters. Then I got a lot more clients under my belt and I started to think about the fact that I've worked remotely for now 16 years and the pandemic hadn't quite happened yet, but I started to notice that people were just grinding all day long on Zooms and, and what have you. 
And I started to notice that people were getting more and more unhappy and that feeling of isolation. Now you fast forward to the start of the pandemic where people are completely freaking out and they don't know how to do this. And they, you know, they have, in some cases, their babies are home and they've never worked from home before. They don't have the discipline and they run to food to soup. And so I just started to kind of take on more and more clients organically because those things were happening, but it certainly wasn't overnight. Then I got very lucky and got laid off and I thought, great. This is my time. <laughs> somebody, somebody pushed me when I wasn't ready to be pushed. And while financially it was terrifying, I thought, obviously this is, this is like God's way of saying, this is your time to do this. And so I went full time and then an old boss called me and said, I need you. You're the only one that can do this. So back in IT marketing, I go and I tried to manage both, <clears throat> excuse me, at the same time. And I couldn't do it. And my heart wasn't in it. I absolutely hated it, but I was being fulfilled on the other side. So I did it for about a year until this last February. And I just said, no more. I don't want it anymore. I can't do it. I'm not being, you know, honest to myself. I'm not being authentic, which I pride myself in being like boldly authentic. And so I left my job and this is all I do. And I love it. That's amazing. And I'm so in alignment with everything you do. Like to your point, God has so many funny ways of throwing these beautiful curveballs at times that are like the, the most fearful and most unexpected, but it's, it's all serving you in a place that you need to be. And so, you know, with that, I, I totally relate to everything on the, cause a lot of people don't really understand the, the correlation between like fitness, food, mindset, and how it really plays in your overall well being. And I could personally attest to the fact that my relationship with food is a direct correlation of how I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if I am yeah. having this toxic relationship with that, sometimes I'm going through these ruts and I'm using food to confide in. That is just a constant way of staying in that rut. When I'm on my game, that's when like with the most mentally I ever feel sharp wise and at best I'm doing in business is when I'm really focusing on my health, my relationship, my food and all that. So what like sparked you to be able to, understand that like how'd you like really come up with that philosophy and that game plan and then walk us through kind of what the process looks like when you do take on a client yeah no problem so i've always been i guess athletic which is funny to say in front of you guys but <laughs> but i've always been really athletic and i ran the boston marathon back in 2012 and then i didn't work out for two years straight so that's a problem right and i started to look at like why am I working out? What is the importance of it? And I think I, you know, I got into CrossFit and that was great. And it, I loved the competition part of it because, you know, as you age, you kind of like don't have like organized sports like you did when you were younger. And so this is kind of my way to be competitive, but you know, then the, the trauma happened. And so as I got my food under control, you start to feel better. And that's what I always, when I start coaching with people, I say, Let's just get the food under wraps first, because whether or not you realize this, if you don't eat, you die. So let's just do the, let's do the thing that's most important first. And after a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe for some people, it's more like four or five weeks, they start to feel a little bit better. Like their sleep is getting better. They're a little less irritable. It, I mean, it isn't like an overnight awakening, but that they start to notice that they feel a little bit better. And that's when I tell them to pull 
some level of fitness in. And I tell them to only do the types of fitness that they get joy out of. So if your thing is swimming, go swim. If your thing is yoga, go do yoga. I don't care what you do, but it has to bring you joy or it isn't going to be sustainable. So don't do what I do. I love to run. I love my Peloton. I love like anything outside. I'll go for hikes, but I can pretty much assure you that if I went swimming, I would drown. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) That's really stressful for me, but somebody else may love it. And that might be their, their elixir. So I tell them just do the fitness because you enjoy it because ultimately that is for your mental health. It isn't the thing that's going to get you to your goal weight. Does it help? Yes, but not as much as you think it does. And then the mindset piece is the thing that comes last. So then you've got your food and a rhythm. You know the thing that you like to do for physical fitness. Now we can work on redirecting your response to triggers because it is, in a lot of cases, the scariest part for people. And it's the part they don't want to face, but it is the thing that's going to keep that weight off. I think sometimes too, there's a, sometimes people are too finish line focused, right? They're, you know, myself guilty of it, right? Where you think, oh, if I can get down to this number, uh, whether it's, you know, your weight or if I can get up to a certain number on the bench press or whatever your like metric is, like there's this cross this finish line and then you're good. But the reality is I think, I think too many people are rooted in these like kind of short bursts finish line type of situations as opposed to having something deeper rooted inside, right? Like, like for me, I, 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 I'm 26, about to turn 27. And the reason I work out and value fitness is, is because I, I, yeah, I like to look good, but mainly because I want to be 75 and 80 years old and feel like I do right now, or I want to feel as close to how I feel right now as possible down, down the road. That's kind of the route I think that I think, I think some people miss. I, I missed it for a while when I was playing football in college. I was just training and working my ass off just to, you know, be on the team and, be the guy and you know all that kind of deal but then when you get out of that and you, and you lose that that vision or that that fulfillment and that meaning behind it you have to find new meaning that's deeper than just you know crossing the finish line somewhere or hitting a metric does that make is that do you agree with that or is that totally totally yeah. agree i but i never start by saying and i'm not saying that you're saying this but i want to make sure it's clear i don't start telling people that they're wrong so if they say my right. goal is 150 pounds i write that down but I don't hold them to it. And I let them kind of feel that that is the goal for the first few weeks. Cause again, they're in this like state of chaos when they sure. first start and they think it's automatically going to fail because all the other things have failed. I think the metric is like, by the time a woman is um, in men too, but I have the women's metric in my head. Cause I just read about it the other day. It's like, by the time they're 43, they've done like 67 diets or something insane. Wow. So, high failure rate. <laughs> so let's just, you know, whatever your goal is, is your goal. And I write it down, but I very quickly move them to the next gene size down. Or I have a client, Ben, right now, who is like, I want to hit the next belt. loop, And I'm like, great, let's hit that next belt. loop. And then he hits the belt loop. And he's like, man, this shirt is too baggy. I'm like, let's go buy some new shirts, right? Like I don't, so I don't tell him his his goal of, I, I think right now his goal is like 250 or something. I want him lower because he has a lot of health issues too. So I don't want him to stay there. But again, like even that 250 or 260 number is unattainable to him in the beginning. So I just, I kind of leave it 
But over time, I move them away from that. And then they get closer to that weight. And I always say, okay, like we're five or 10 pounds away. Like what are our, what's next? Like, what are we going to work on next? And they say, I think I have more in the tank. I think, you know, I want to hit this number. Or for me, it was, I had had these body image issues all my life where when I was 10 years old, my cousin had called me fat and it wasn't, I swear to you, I was like this total beanpole, but I believed it. And it wasn't until I was 44 that I actually put on a bikini for the first time, which is absolutely insane. So like, imagine I'm constantly covering up and I don't want anybody to ever feel like that. So it's my goal to get you into that bikini and keep you there if that's what you care about. Now, if what you care about is just being a size smaller or being able to run a mile without stopping, that's as equally important a goal because it's what matters to you, not what matters to me. Sure. So I, I love the process you take because I think the biggest part in the beginning is like getting that belief down for these people, right? They, they don't believe that they can do it. And so just getting these small micro consistent wins, i.e. The, the, this is a, the consistency wins podcast. That's what we're all about. How do you begin to differentiate that in the long run as they begin to build this habit to start creating a lot more like forced adversity in there to make things a little bit harder where I'm starting to pick workouts that are a little bit less joyful just to stretch myself a little bit longer? Like where does that start to get incorporated? Yeah. So it's usually in the first few weeks that I just kind of like, you know, just making sure they hit their macro targets and stuff like that. Then they, you know, start to gain momentum and I'll throw a little challenge in like, Hey, I'm running this. Do you want to, do you want to virtually run it with me? And they're like, I couldn't. And I'm like, but it's virtual. Who cares? Like you're not paying anything. What do you care? And they'll do it. And then they're so amazed that they did it. Like they start signing up for something else. So I kind of write that down. And then I try to like, I tax them in the water department because none of them drink anywhere near the amount of water they're supposed to drink. And they're like, I couldn't possibly. I'm like, well, let's just try it. And, you know, sometimes I convince them that that's actually what's holding them back, even if it isn't, because they know they need to do it. So it just depends on, like, I try to go a little bit faster than their pace. But when I notice, like, they've got some confidence, that's when I usually try to insert that. But I have them take progress pictures every three weeks, pretty much because anything faster than that, you know, you can't really see the changes, but they never look back. So when I take day one against like day 30, they're completely blown away and they're all, it's almost like it lights a fire under them. Um, and then they, sometimes they just challenge themselves. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So tell us about the snap method. Oh, I love the snap method. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so the snap method is how we redirect our response, our response to triggers. I came up with it as I was, you know, having that conversation with my coach and feeling like if you're not going to help me, I need to do this for myself. I, I am so tired of this fat, like I am fat story that I'm playing in my head or I'm not good enough. I know I'm good enough. I know I'm successful. Why is this still a story? So SNAP stands for stop, notice, accept, and practice gratitude. So the first time a, a trigger comes up that you notice, the first thing you need to do is just stop. Don't do anything else. Don't talk. Don't text. <laughs> that's, the word. that's the easiest thing to do. And it's so inflammatory. Don't send an email. Don't do anything. But just notice that it's coming. And even the act of stopping sometimes breaks the, the cycle to get you to like run to the pantry. 
And then notice is really when you, you pull out your journal and I don't know if you guys journal, but a lot of people, I know my husband always makes fun of me for journaling, but honestly, it is the fastest route to the truth. So in notice, you start to journal everything that's going on. Are your palms sweating? Is your like chest pounding? Does it get tight? Like what are the physical symptoms that happen to you when this trigger presents itself? Do you feel shame? What are the emotional pieces that you're, you're experiencing? Do you feel like you just want to go run for a whoopie pie, which is my torture device of choice. <laughs> and I love them, but you know, it's like, I, I just, I just want to binge on them. And as you're journaling, I always tell people, don't judge what you've just written. Just allow the pen to flow. Let it, you know, record everything that's going on without any type of analysis or judgment. A couple days later, or even a couple of hours later, after the trigger has kind of subsided, that's when you go to accept and you not only accept the the trigger for what it is, but you accept what you've written on the page and you kind of look back and you look at it and you start to evaluate what is truth versus your version of the truth, because those are two very different things. You know, you'll be like, ah, Antonio, I can't believe he's such a jerk. He said this. And you're like, that's not really the way he said it. Right. And you start to, you start to back yourself down and, and consider that the truth may not be what you wrote on the page. So that may not your reaction may not have been justified, right? So you start to, you kind of like disarm the trigger as it's, as it's happening. And then P is practice gratitude. So you thank the trigger for coming because it means that you haven't dealt with that situation yet. It means that you still have work to do on that story. So that good enough trigger that has been ingrained in me since I was a kid, you know, the first time it came up and I dealt with it, put it to rest, great. But it was such a large part of my life that maybe it takes several times in the snap method to, to really put it to bed. But then they, you know, when the triggers come now, you kind of look at it and you're like, there it is. But you don't go running for the pantry anymore. You kind of, I don't know if it's like Superman standing in front of a bullet train or what, but like (laughs) you kind of just are like, bring it because I, I don't believe this lie that's coming towards me. And I'm certainly not going to, you know, self-medicate. I'm going to remind the ego because it's, it's, if you remember back in high school, the id, the ego and the superego, it's the ego that resurfaces that story and says, this is the truth. And you've got to reprogram the ego to say, that isn't the truth. I tell you what the truth is. Yeah, that's great. That's great. A question I want to ask you is who, who is an ideal client that you, that you work with and, and then what does it look like to, to work with you? Well, I mean, it's, it's always fun, right? Cause I'm hilariously funny. If you want to take a second lap that you can, <laughs> um, horse laugh An ideal client, honestly, it's somebody that's just open to the fact that they, they want a lifestyle change. I, I do get, I do get clients that are, that believe that you can lose 10 pounds in about four minutes that almost never lasts. I do work really hard to kind of try to convert their mindset, but they have to be willing to do some of the work emotionally if they want to keep the weight off. And I do take such incredible pride in what I do with them that it is really defeating when somebody quits because they haven't lost 
10 pounds of formants. So, but I work with men and women. I work actually with a lot of couples. So, you know, the wife gets on board and then the husband gets on board and that's always hilarious because they're kind of talking about each other in their (laughs) check-ins. And then your other question was, what is it like to work with me? So we do weekly check-ins. I set their macros for them. So their carb, fat, and protein goals, but I evaluate their sleep, what's going on in their like kind of environment around them to try to understand maybe why they're, they're not making progress. Um, I do incorporate the SNAP method relatively early, maybe six, seven weeks in because I want them to see this is a long-term sustainable plan that they can, you know, subscribe to. And really it's the thing that makes the difference. It's the thing that keeps the weight off. And I think that, like I said, the clients that don't make it are the ones that aren't willing to do the work, the emotional work. And they, they're like, I, I still want to have, you know, the cheeseburger. I'm like, you can have the cheeseburger. You just can't have it three times a day. <laughs> we have to. So, you know, there's like a little lack of reality there. And, and so those are the ones that don't work. And what is the, what is your vision for your practice and, and the future of your business? Like, where do you see everything going? What is that? What does that look like for you over the next few years? Oh, I love your question. So I, my, my goal is to touch as many people as possible and help them to understand, number one, they did this to themselves. They got themselves into this situation, but that is the most empowering part about this is that if you did it to yourself, it means you can undo it, right? So like you have all the tools inside you, you just don't realize it. Um, And so I have elevated my business to include public speaking because I want to touch as many people as possible. And some people can do this on their own and I want them to. And some people, all they need to do is listen to this podcast and it'll like, it'll kind of like light a fire. Other people, it might be social media, but other people might need coaching and I'm here for them too. And it's, we have a lot of fun, but you know, there's equal amounts of accountability on both sides. As we spoke about earlier, th- this is called the consistency win podcast, consistency wins podcast. So I know consistency is a big word for all of us. And, and I know in the space that you operate in, consistency is everything. So tell us a little bit more about what it means to you and what your definition of it is. Of consistency. Yes. Well, I mean, it's discipline, right? It's, it's, you know, having a plan and that word gets, I think like less understood, <laughs> unappreciated where people will just kind of wake up and work their day, kind of like eat their way through the day versus having a plan and executing on the plan and they fail. And it's that lack of consistency. I always tell people, if you plan for tomorrow today, when you wake up tomorrow, all you have to do is check the boxes. Like you have the banana at 10, the what, like you just eat the things that you, you planned on. And with that consistency, you make those small, subtle changes over time turn into huge results. I would have never thought in the beginning. I mean, I said I wanted to lose 50 pounds, but that just sounded like a freakishly large number that I'd never hit. And I hit 52 and then I took a break. I probably could have gotten to 55, but it didn't matter. I loved who I was and I, I felt great. But it's that that consistency. But with consistency also affords you opportunity. And so, you know, like Ben, the guy I was talking about earlier that I coach, you know, he's like, I just like my cheeseburgers. And I said, but if you do the work, you can make room for the cheeseburger. And then there are some times where you're just going to have the cheeseburger anyway but it's not going to dramatically affect you like it would have been in the beginning 
because you'll go right back onto plant. You'll gain a couple of pounds from the sodium and whatnot. And then you get back on plan, you drop it and you restore your health. You know, so Landon, to your point, like you want to live a really long, healthy life. You're not going to do that being on the inside aisles of the supermarket in the Oreo aisle or right. Like all the processed foods, like it, there has to be a give and take. And it's through the consistency of proper nutrition, proper hydration, sleep, fitness that you love and dealing with your issues. That'll help you get there. Colleen, well, this has been amazing. I'm going to send this podcast to my parents because this is what they need to hear. How can we follow you? How can our listeners connect with you and potentially become a client? What's all that look like? Awesome. Yeah. I would love people to connect with me on Instagram. It's at the Colleen Greco. My parents misspelled it when I was born. So it's C-O-L-E-E-N-G-R-E-C-O at the Colleen Greco. My website is ColleenGreco.com. Um, I'm on all the socials except for TikTok because I'm too old to figure that out. So <laughs> we will be sure to plug all that into the description. And other than that, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks so much.